Hi, Dan Sheridan here with Successful Savior Ministries. This is Lesson 11 in our series, The Plain Guide to Universalism. And in this portion, we're talking about what do universalists believe? And we have been examining the Universalist Creed of 1833, a beautiful piece of work. And in this lesson, we're going to talk about Article 3, which is concerning the mission and mediation of Christ. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the Creed, Article 3 of the Creed, and then we'll comment on it after we're done. So here's how the Creed reads article 3 concerning the mission and mediation of Christ we believe God sent his son to be the savior of the world that to this end as he loved both his son and the world he gave all things into his hand even power over all flesh that he might give eternal life to as many as the father hath given him and that all that the father gave him shall so come to him as not to be cast out, that, as he tasted death for every man, and as a propitiation for the sins of the whole world, he shall see of the travail of his soul, and be satisfied, that, as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive, that, having brought life and immortality to light by the gospel, he shall continue to reign until death the last enemy is destroyed, and all things are subdued unto him, till every knee shall bow, and every tongue confess him, Lord, to the glory of God the Father, and that he will deliver up the reconciled kingdom to the Father, that God may be all in all. And the scripture verses are as follows. First John 2.2. 2, 1 John 4.14, 4, John 3.35, John 6.37, John 17.2, Hebrews 2.9, Isaiah 53.11, 1 Corinthians 15.22-28, 2 Timothy 1.10, and Philippians 2.10-11. Now, I'd like to make a few comments on the Creed. First, we believe God the Father, according to 1 John 4.14, 4, sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Not a partial Savior nor a potential savior, but the son is the savior of the world. You see, the King James translators take that Greek word cosmos and they translate it world. And most translations do that. This word cosmos stands for the entire human system and its inhabitants. In other words, God loves humanity and all its activities. Whether it's baking bread or ruling nations, God loves people and the things that they do. Second, According to John 3.16 and John 3.35, the Father loves the Son and the world, and therefore the Father gave all things related to mankind and its environment into the hands of the Son. You see, the Father owns everything, but as the Son, Jesus represents the Father, and therefore the Father has given all these things into His capable hands. The human race, which is given into Christ's hands, is especially singled out when Jesus said in John 17, 2, As thou hast given me, he's talking about himself, as thou hast given me power over all flesh, that he should be giving Eonian life to as many as thou hast given him. And the question is, how many? Well, the answer is all flesh. All flesh has been given to the Son. So the question is, will Jesus lose anybody? Of course not. Those who come to him, says John 6.37, he will never cast out. The question is, who will come to him? Well, that brings us to our third point, all flesh. All flesh will be saved because Hebrews 2 says, he tasted death for every man. 
And 1 John chapter 2, verse 2 says, He is the propitiation for the sins of the whole world. The whole human system and its people have missed the mark. But Jesus will fix the problem. There is nothing wrong with this planet or its people that our Lord can't or won't fix. See, there's no job too dirty, too, too insignificant, or too far gone for our Savior. He's going to fix the entire human race and its system. The Father, according to Isaiah 53, 11, shall see the travail of Christ's soul and shall be satisfied. You know that word travail in Isaiah 53, 11, that word travail means to labor with pain. And our Lord Jesus Christ is a blue-collar Savior. He gave all his effort, and he continues to do so, by the way, to save the human race. God, his Father, the great inspector of that work, is satisfied. The Father is pleased. He's always pleased, and he will be pleased in the end. And this brings us to our fourth point. Our Lord's work applies to the entire human race. For, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, As in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Jesus Christ is greater than Adam. In other words, he will save and restore the entire human race to a condition that is even better than what Adam had in the Garden of Eden. You see, not only does Christ save everyone affected by Adam's sin, he also gives them more than what was lost in the garden. That's our Savior. And this gospel, according to Paul in 2 Timothy 1.10, brings life and immortality to light. Why? Because it abolishes death wherever it is found. And that brings us to point five. Christ's mediatorial reign will continue until death the last enemy is destroyed, and all things are subdued unto him. When every knee shall bow, and every tongue confess him, Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And it's at that point he will deliver up the reconciled kingdom to the Father, that God may be all in all. And that's according to Paul in Philippians 2, as well as 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Everyone will willingly and joyfully acclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. God will be esteemed by every human being. Imagine that, a world where everyone loves God. Won't that be amazing? Well, that's the hope we have in the gospel. It's going to happen. Jesus, at that point, will deliver up the kingdom, that is, his mediatorial reign, in which he brings the whole human race back to himself, and then, when every human being is beyond the reach of sin and death, and when every human being is in complete agreement, imagine that, I say it is then that Jesus will deliver up that kingdom to God, even the Father, and God at that point will be everything to everyone forever. Wow. That is the mission of Jesus Christ. The question is, will he succeed? Of course he will. His name means Savior, and he will live up to that name. The character of God and the character of his son are at stake. And guess what? You know, the father has always been pleased with the son. You know, in Matthew chapter 3, the father was pleased with the son for the first 30 years of his life. When he was just a, a boy growing up in Nazareth and when he was uh, growing up as a carpenter, those first 30 years of his life, the father said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You find that in Matthew 3. And then in Matthew 17, in the middle of his ministry, the father Father says, this is my beloved son. I'm well pleased with him. He was pleased with his ministry, his speaking and his healings. And then on the cross, 
He was pleased with the sacrifice. The father was satisfied, according to Isaiah 53:11. And guess what? The father will be pleased when Jesus delivers up the kingdom to his God, even the father. And then God will say, this is awesome. I'm well pleased. And God will be everything to everyone. The moral of the story is Jesus never disappoints his father and he will never disappoint the human race. Boy, we have such a happy ending, don't we? God's story has a wonderful ending. All right, we've been discussing the 1833 Universalist Creed, and so far we've covered Articles 1, 2, and 3. Article 1 was concerning God and Christ, Article 2 concerning the character of God, and the article we've discussed in this audio, Article 3, was about the mission of Christ. You notice that? How this creed begins with God and Christ and the mission of Jesus Christ. That's the most important, right? The God, the Father, and His Son. What can be more important than our great God and Savior? Well, in our next lesson, we're going to start talking about humanity. And in Article 4, which we'll discuss next, we'll talk about the motives for obedience for the believer. I hope you listen. This is Dan Sheridan. I appreciate spending this time with you. Until we talk again, remember this, that Jesus Christ is a successful savior.